0: Film Wax Radio. Film Wax Radio, okay? Hello, this is Hal Hartley, and you're listening to Film Wax Radio. Hey everybody, it's Adam Shartoff. I'm the host of Film Wax Radio, a weekly podcast uh, which includes interviews with people, various people from the arts, more specifically the film industry, I guess you could say, but there are a lot of exceptions. It is Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. This is episode number 595. We have today on this episode a friend of the podcast, a friend of mine. Her name is Lynn Sachs, and this is Lynn's third visit to the podcast. If you listen to this episode and you enjoy it, you can go back and you can listen to two prior episodes. Appearances that she's made. Well, let's see. A few years back, I was uh, involved in a in a film she made, and so that is definitely a topic of both of the prior episodes. One uh, episode I did with uh, herself and her husband, who is a, a filmmaker as well. His name is Mark Street, and um, that's on episode three hundred twenty-eight. Then Lynn came back on five hundred and fifteen. And we were joined by a couple of other folks from this, this film, Tip of My Tongue, which is the film I was talking about. And now I have the great pleasure of having Lynn on alone. I have her all to myself in this particular episode you're about to listen to. And of all the films that Lynn has made, and if you go to lynnsax.com, my goodness, you can find out all about all the films she's made and you can see all these films. I know they're out there, most of them anyway. She has been making these personal films and these experimental films, uh, works of nonfiction for decades now. She's also, by the way, the sister. Well, that's a complicated thing. You're going to find out she's sister to a number of people. But one particular is the is the brother she grew up with, whose name is Ira Sachs. Uh I guess Ira Sachs Jr., he's been on the show of course many times and this is Lynn's again this is her third appearance well she has this new film and it is probably her most personal yet Uh, it's actually quite shocking and i'm not so easily shocked but this this film actually did shock me and it's called film about a father who and she's been working on this for most of her life and it's finally completed and she's putting it out there and You know, I was very, very honored to be the first person that she spoke to about the film. And so what you're going to hear is her without rehearsed language. You know, as you talk to certain filmmakers about their films, they've come to you having thought a great deal about how to talk about their films. That's just normal. Everybody does that. Not just filmmakers, everybody. That's the thing that a journalist—and I'm not saying I'm a journalist per se— But as somebody who talks to people, you want them to ideally, you want them to be articulate and understand what they're, you know, the subject of what they're talking about, of course. But on the other hand, you also want them to be spontaneous and certainly unscripted, unrehearsed, etc. And so that's kind of, you know, that's obviously something that I strive for. So this was really nice to get Lynn talking in a way, kind of figuring these things out by talking to me. I think it results in a very special conversation about making a film about your family, uh, specifically about your father. And he is certainly a great subject for a film in that he's a complicated guy, as, as most of us are. His name is Ira Sachs Sr. And again, she's been making this film for many years. And so putting it out there is a big deal. And so it's logical. You may ask, "Is how, how are you going to see this film? It, it's not even had a premiere yet. Well, it's about to. It's about to have its world premiere at the Slamdance Festival in a few days. It's going to be screening on January 24th, which is tomorrow, Friday, January 24th, at 7 o'clock in the evening. So if you're going to Slamdance, it's opening night film. Go try to see it. It sold out so quickly, from what I'm told, that they added another screening at 9 o'clock. So that's a big deal. And then there's going to be another screening at Slamdance, a third screening on January 27th at 11 o'clock a.m. Now, if you can't get to Slamdance, and by the way, I'm in your company. I can't get there. But it's coming to New York City a couple of weeks after that. So it's going to be at uh, Doc Fortnite which runs at the MoMA from the uh, February 5th to the 19th. The screenings for film about a father who is going to be Tuesday, February 11th at 8 o'clock p.m. And Lynn will be there, of course, for this screen. And probably both. And then again on Friday, February 14th. Isn't that Valentine's Day at 4.30 p.m.? So go to the MoMA website, buy tickets. I'm going to try to come to uh, one of those screenings to support Lynn because I think she's a tremendously talented person. And I had the pleasure of meeting Ira Sr. once or twice. And uh, in fact, I know one of the occasions was at MoMA because he came to her, as he always does, tries to, to her screening of The Tip of My Tongue, which was, again, that film that I was in that Lynn made a few years ago. And I got to meet Ira. And this is film is introduces me to him, of course, on a, a, this much broader level. And it's an incredible story. And I urge you to go try to see it if you're in the New York City area or in Park City this weekend. Oh, I almost forgot. If that's not enough, Lynn has a book of poetry that she recently released. It's called Year by Year. And it's a poem for every year that uh, between, I think, 1961 to, no, she wrote these recently. But uh, she writes a poem for every year of her life from 1961 to 2011. It's a beautiful collection, and I urge you to seek it out. She will be doing some readings coming up. We've already missed a few of them. But, uh, for instance, January 26th, she'll be at Dolly's Bookstore at Park City during the uh, festival to do a reading. Then she'll be on February 4th at the Greenlight Bookstore in Brooklyn. Go to the Greenlight Bookstore website and, and, and find more details. Then on February 18th, she'll be at McNally Jackson Independent Bookstore in Soho. And then in April on, on the 18th, she'll be doing a book reading and film screening for, the National, po- for National Poetry Month in San Francisco. Uh, so we, we'll keep everybody abreast of all those appearances. Again, I will try to make at least the Greenlight Bookstore event. And uh, I urge you to do the same. Come join us for that. In the meantime, here now, without any further delay, is uh, my friend and friend of the podcast, Lynn Sachs, and her new film called Film About a Father Who, right here on Film Wax Radio.
1: How do you feel, Dad? Very funny. I like, I like, I like both, I like both. I, like I made a film that I thought was a lot about looking out, and I wanted to make another film that was about looking in. And, like, my next project is about looking out and in at the same time.
0: What's that going to be about?
1: Um. Well, part of it's about you. He's been the kind of person who was able to keep these profound secrets.
0: Ah. Oh
1: you a little closer But these are the things that children don't need to know about their dad. It's not a complicated kind of morality. I think he, he can both consider himself a good person, but sleep with a lot of different women and hurt people in that way. He can be selfish, but he also really loves people. Dad had his own language. And we were expected to speak it. I loved him so much that I agreed to his syntax, his set of rules. Good
0: morning, Adam. <laughs> That's more energy. Did you how'd you get here? I drove. You did? Yeah. Did you have a hard time finding a parking? At
1: first I did, and now I discovered the park, and there were yes. different places to park to there are. Sp- set up my car and at the park, and there we are. Okay, yeah, very Good. close.
0: Good. I, I wasn't wa- sure because the G is just beyond on the other side of the park. There, at you the other what? end
1: of I, the. I love WKCR. I love that station, and I love what they play in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, I just enjoyed it. You plug
0: for a radio show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're here in uh, Williamsburg, and there were. Uh, over coffee and water and good, good friends. That's nice. And uh, ostensibly because you've made another film, you were so prolific these days.
1: Well, this was a film that you, was yeah. part of my life for most of my life.
0: That's right. 30, something like 30 years you've yeah. been working on this?
1: Yeah. I realized as I was putting the date on the film, 2020, yes. that I... The very first image I shot was from 84, so it's over 30 years.
0: But when you were shooting, you were just shooting. Did you have this idea that you were making a film Uh, when you started the film? In
1: 1991, I started making this film. In earnest. Yes. Okay,
0: so we are now at 2020 as of yesterday, Mm -hmm. so we are just shy of 30 years. Yeah. Wow. And I guess you could argue that because you are using footage, archive, (laughs) From 84 that it does go back but um we have to have people call in or write in and say does a film begin from the conception or does it begin from
1: that's such a good idea <laughs> especially with my films uh mm-hmm. the the films are so integrated into my the life that i'm living so right. um they're not all as personal as film about a father who mm-hmm. but uh they they mark something that was going on in my life, so i I can think what movie was I making at that time yeah sure and it then it, it's helps like an you. opening to what else was going on
0: you can make you can kind of make order out of your life a little bit better, not maybe bit. that much better, but a little <laughs> bit better when you have those uh, you know those those uh benchmarks i guess wait uh so it's again you just sort of squeezed in the title you snuck it in there a film, about, <laughs> film about a father who it's called yep. film about a father who and wh- what which is, is
1: a so film about a father who as a title was inspired by a film by yvonne rayner who has been a very important influential mm. filmmaker thinker theorist artist in my life and she made a film in the 70s oh. called film about a woman who but she had an ellipsis after that so it was mm-hmm. dot 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 mm-hmm. but i i i just had it on my mind and i've been calling this film film about a father who for 10 years and it's stuck
0: and what is it since you've had 10 years to kind of let it marinate the title does it has a uh, and you now finished the film it has do you do you feel like in a way it's speaking to and defining itself, what the title means specifically? Even though it, I know you borrowed it and it's a variation on an existing title, but sometimes that happens.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I should say this is my very first conversation about the film.
0: That's amazing. I was going to ask you that.
1: Yeah. Um, so n- I have no right. bo- canned reactions to anything. You don't have marketing language at no, your fingertips here. No, not at all. So... That's great. Um, it's like very that. exciting. And so, this is this podcast allows uh, you will allows hear you, me thinking.
0: Right. That's great. And this <laughs> podcast allows you the opportunity to kind of start to think about these things. And then, uh, you know, of course, if you say anything you regret, we can fix that, but hopefully not.
1: Um, so, I'll just say this um, that I'm very interested in family trees, and I'm very interested in. Uh, the way that grammar works and the way that we put together matrixes or a kind of structure for understanding where we are in the world and our place in the universe. And I think the sentence and the the, um, chart by which you understand who were your parents and who were the parents of your parents and then who are your children, and what are all those connections? And then there are empty spaces. Um, and then there was an there was an activity. I don't know if you did this when you were in junior high school or middle mm-hmm. school. Um, if you ever did diagramming of sentences, and the um, so a di- and and the end credits in my film are kind of like uh, an it. homage to diagramming. I wanted them to look like diagramming and to look like. Um, uh, a family, kind of a family tree, and the, myr- the both. Yeah, I can see. So that. it's the idea of one thing spilling, like a branch coming off a trunk, coming and then a twig after that. And so these relationships of the larger whole, and then the yeah. offshoots. And a di- this a diagram to diagram a sentence is to take the what you would call the the main the claw the main uh, yeah trunk of the sentence, and then you have these other appendages like. Film. This is a film about a father, but this is just a part of that film about a father who, and so who, if you, in the English language, you feel like there's something that runs after it, but you don't right. quite know what it is. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of um, anticipation and a way that also anybody could, fa- absolutely, everyone has a father, even if you didn't know that person, mm-hmm. but you had somebody who came before you, mm-hmm. so you you have these these descriptions and these um, uh, um, attachments that you can either add or subtract. So that's everything after the who.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's for the um, it's for the audience.
1: Well, it's also anyway. f- saying that this is kind this in a, it's like a this is a portrait, but it but you don't quite know. It's not a portrait of a person specifically who will announce himself. You, mm-hmm. You're going to have to navigate that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the film is a, a great example of, of the, that, that demanding that from the audience. It really requires, I mean, you know, you feel like as much as you're getting to know him, he's still uh, an anomaly on some level. He's hidden behind all of your yeah. your... Um, testimonies, you know, which are as the film goes on, keeps getting larger in number. I, I've known you for uh, five or six years or something around there, right? I did not know anything about the what some people refer to as a secret family. Yeah. You know,
1: and I actually so I have eight siblings, which is, uh, but I didn't stunning. know two of them until right. just a few years ago. Um, so, I'm very interested in this idea of and that we call Wendell will come out. okay. Wendell. Um, this notion of there being a nuclear family, this idea of yeah. this this um, kind of uh, space of comfort and and aware and and kind of acknowledgement that this this is how I define myself. This is these are my parents and mm-hmm. these are the progeny from those two parents. And, and for the most part, people do know that, but, and, and, but there are other ways that people create parallel lives. And I know, I honestly, men tend to do that more than women. It's just easier biologically. Um, So, (laughs) um, I always had a hunch that my dad might've had other children, but, I didn't know it, and I, I certainly didn't realize that, that there was a, a, a sister who was well into her 30s, and I didn't know anything about her until a few years ago. Um, but you, when you meet a person who has, uh, a, shall I say, shared DNA, you do feel this bond and also curiosity and also a little fear, like how can I expand my sense of who i am by also understanding the people who have entered that nuclear zone
0: fascinating to me it's fascinating to me when people find out history their history something about their own history their lives that are so central on some level so late in their life it's i mean i don't wish it upon them because i think that's not unoptimal experience to go through maybe there is an advantage to it somewhere though maybe because it does require you to reassess and think of yourself in a new way
1: i kind of I, i'm really glad you said that because there you know there's a word people use a lot these days like they say oh that's complicated but sometimes you you find yourself at a plateau and you think yeah. i know exactly who i am this right. is my this is the 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 this is how I define myself. This is paradigm for the, you know, my paradigm for what a family is, is, is this, even a divorce family, because it's so common. But, um, but when you, when you shift that, you also have to, um, awaken something like awaken, how you love other people and awaken, Mm -hmm. how you embrace them Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. whether you care, you know, when are their birthdays and, and, Will you call them to see how they're feeling, or if they just went through a struggle or a crisis? Yeah. Do
0: they want you to call them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of families. I don't know. I was going to say a lot of families have that, experience that. But maybe I, I could be completely, I could be completely wrong. I don't know. I'm just saying because my family, it happened in my family. My cousins, who I'm very close to, I just saw them recently twice because we celebrate Thanksgiving and then Hanukkah. So I just saw them the other day, and uh, they I, I can talk about this because <laughs> it's not nobody, you know, it's, it's, it's just nobody knows who these people are who listen to the show, but uh, they found out, my aunt has kept the secret from them that um, my uncle, who's long been since passed away, and she's remarried and been remarried for many, many years, much longer than she was to her first husband, but with her first husband, she had three children who are now grown and have children and you know or uh and it was came out that uh my uncle my original uncle c- couldn't uh, have children and so they agreed to have maybe adoption at that time 50 60 years ago wasn't quite so easy or quick or what have you so they went around that and they had biological um um what do you call uh, somebody who feels a sort of surrogate surrogate thank you and uh it turns out that my uh well my one of my cousins who's a child of this uh, family died of cancer some years ago andrea and she uh was a religious jew she spent most of her adulthood in israel living in jerusalem it turns out her dad's not jewish it's uh, and my uh, one of my living male cousins, her brother, one of her brothers, uh, is has the same biological father, and he always thought he was Jewish, one hundred percent Jewish, and you only found out. And this all spread in because of twenty three and me. Yeah. All of a sudden, this has changed families. That, a lot of families yeah. has it's busted open the, all these secrets. So and so, I'm just saying this blew me away. Not only because of that fact that there were these other biological realities in my family but my father and my mother knew about this going back to when they were in their 20s or 30s and kept the secret from me and my sister I could tell her but it's not my business to tell her you know anyhow I'm giving you this long story but it's it's,
1: with this film the way that that it will open up conversations and also um conversations around the notion of secret. but one of the reasons i think that the word secret within context of talking about family even exists is because we're always trying to figure out how we have played by the rules or parents have played by the rules and how at times they didn't play by the rules either yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, usually intentionally, they deviated. So they wanted to be part of, um, you know, mainstream America or right. middle class or whatever. You know, they wanted to have to at least garner that respect or that acknowledgement that they are who they appear to be and even to their most intimate um, family members. Right. But, but, so often we we take a detour. I wouldn't even call it a mistake, but and like I think my dad was not a rule player at all. Yeah, we're going um, to get back he to tri- that. He, right. Yeah, and he but he tried at at certain points. Was that kind <laughs> of
0: the, but I feel like his motivation because we're talk a little bit more about yeah, sure. who your dad really is, so people have a context. Yes, but okay. it seems as though maybe his primary motivation was. To, sim- to sort of spare your mom's feelings or her, to spare her or, or you guys,
1: um, or us, or yeah. his mother, maybe,
0: and his mother, um, of course, his mm-hmm. mother, who's a major figure, yeah, yeah, moi um, moi,
1: yeah, exactly. It's funny to talk to somebody now, right? And, you, yeah, you know, and you know a lot of the details, and and um, well, one of the things that that was interesting to me as I was making this film was to try to look for other um let's say models for the way that we create uh, uh we, or like understand another human being so i just want to say that that goes back about to two other films that i've made one of them is called um states of unbelonging when i made a film about a total stranger and another film is called the last happy day. And I made a mm-hmm. film about a relative who um, I knew through letters that he had written. And I knew a lot about him. I knew, knew a lot about the way his head worked. He'd been um, pretty much part of the only branch of my family that had stayed in Europe during world war two. And the, the main, the sort of main uh, subject character what, uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, in states of unbelonging was a woman who um, a mother and a filmmaker who lived in Israel Palestine and um, had died in a terrorist action. Um, so and I tried to kind of n- comprehend what was going on in Israel pa- Palestine through that um, situation so I was really, I started years ago thinking I want to understand how one person can understand how one person can get into enough into another person mm-hmm. to feel a connection. Or maybe we never can. Maybe we're always just solipsis and, and floating around in our own heads and every no nothing else really exists in her. But um, so I knew I wanted to make a film about my father in that trilogy, and ultimately, it's the last film I made, and it's been the hardest mm. because sometimes the person with whom you have the most, you know, intimacy, you take things for granted, or or also there's the notion of um, what we leave for the world. So, uh, you know, um, the first person I made the film about had made films, so I kind of understood her that way. My distant cousin, whom I never met. But was an extremely interesting person I knew through letters and books he wrote. Um, and so here's my dad, but there, and he's like many, many other people in the world. He didn't have an art, he didn't have a journal. So how so in a sense it was um like trying to understand a person through the the people who are around him, or um or like a cubist painting, that's really been important to me the way Picasso or Brock would have a portrait of a person, but it would have many different facades so that you saw that person almost from the back at the same time that you saw the front as you were trying to construct a notion who, who that person is.
0: Mm. I, I would, wouldn't you feel so, I mean, how can you not be so close to this particular subject that you one feel protective and concerned, like the bias. that There has to yeah, be. A I'm level. very because yeah. you have your brother, uh, your biological brother. Well, they're all biological siblings here, I guess. But your um,
1: uh,
0: the brother you grew up with yeah. and your sister so, who you grew up with are in this film, and uh, um, and your, of course, your mother, your grandmother and uh, and my mom and your mom they're all so cr- yeah
1: are, are i you do prote- you know, do you feel
0: a sense that you have to protect them on some level as you're I, ma- re- re- editing this film
1: that is the okay adam that's what causes me to wake up in a sweat almost every day yeah yeah that is a critical issue i and, and as you know i've made a lot of films uh i make sometimes i think i make two different kind of films one like I don't think you've seen the House of Science or Which mm-hmm. Way's East, but I've made a lot of films that are very are essay kind of films where I really like reveal quite a bit about myself and the way I'm thinking and who I am and even my body, <laughs> you know, and um, and then I make another kind of film where I'm exploring something beyond my domestic universe. This is my domestic universe, and I've had a lot of hesitation about basically opening up this curtain and saying, hey, this is the life I've led. Um, and I do feel vulnerable about it. I yeah. feel super vulnerable. And almost everyone in my family has seen the film already before um, yeah, you're, you're releasing it to pretty, the world. Right, and right. so they gave it the approval. They did. Not all of them have seen it. Um, some people will see it like for the first time at uh,
0: Metac- some of the are you,
1: so it's going to be at well let's we'll talk about slam that. dance slam dance you can and tell then me these things are, are oh, public of, okay yeah so it's going to be I at slam put dance this up and it'll be public. sure it's going to be at slam dance as the opening night movie wow on the 24th and 27th of january and then it'll be at in new york city um so uh at that the, New York City
0: screening, uh, since it sounds like you can't say that right now,
1: I can because but, it's going to be announced in the next two days or so. Okay,
0: yeah, and we're not. So it's going to be
1: at um, the documentary Fortnight, which is an annual event at the Museum of Modern Art, in
0: which you've opened before, by the way. I can I say it, <laughs> I've been witness to that. <laughs>
1: um, it's going to be February 11th and 14th. Um,
0: is that your? Are you the opening night film for Doc Fortnight? You I can't.
1: Thanks. So. No, they, no, no, no. I'm not because it opens on February. And you've opened it 8th. Before, recently. Um, so they I've done opening share. and closing of that festival. Did we open or close it then? It, uh, I think we had the closing night. Oh, I, I
0: may, maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. I'm misremembering that.
1: Um, um, so, you, but I want the, you asked me the question yes. about like the vulnerability in a sense. I, I
0: yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's a controversial, it's a controversial film.
1: <sighs> yeah, um, I had thirty six cuts of this film or oh so. Um, I mean, that's not abnormal. Lots of people do that in the digital world um, where I had things in and had things out. Right. Um, and also in the end, what i found most compelling for me was the notion of family. Like there was a lot more I could have said about my father's life. Of course, I didn't have film footage of it, but um, this is from my, per- it's a subjective point of view it's the and you know it's my hope that I like a photograph you showed the black and the white and then all the grays in between so I wanted to be honest about my frustration and rage as well as my Mm. forgiveness and love I hope that's there
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to be objective and not say because, I feel like it's really the audience's, you know, to experience. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm not a film critic here, but uh, I do want to now take a step because we talked about filmmaking, the personal approach as well as just the craft. To to degree, that's what we've been talking about, and mm-hmm. the choices and uh, exploring the subject matter. And uh, I do want to now talk about your dad because I think it's important people have that mm-hmm. understand who I think I've met at, once or twice. I think we, I definitely I think you have, have too. at MoMA. I yes. know I met him.
1: He's very supportive. He comes to. He loves to come to premieres. Oh, I'm sure. And he loves that, to yeah. like yeah. go out of his way to um, uh, to be there then on a like a exciting evening. He, yeah. he really has been oh. a great father in that way.
0: He's a champion of He's, yours, yeah. and, and I'm sure Iris too. Yes, right, because your brother <laughs> makes a very different type of film, but it's 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 uh he's making narrative films right more traditional i guess you could say in the sense of but um your da- okay first of all you have two siblings you grew up with in your in your yeah uh um, the, we were
1: all born in the 60s i'm the oldest of, of all of
0: the three yeah so she, there's Dana who's your younger sister and Ira who's your brother and your dad uh is Ira senior yes. and you grew up in a uh in in Memphis um, you're Jews. <laughs> did you grow up in a, specifically in a Jewish environment? Uh, I just never really knew yeah, that. I mean, I, I know there is a Jewish culture there.
1: It, it was ref- in the, you know, in Memphis in the 60s, 70s, there was a very clear delineation between reform, conservative and Orthodox. Yes. So now I, I feel like so many people just identify as Jewish. Right. You know, they don't care about that, but it, I grew up in a reform, uh, temple we called it and um my both my parents were born jewish my father identified as jewish but was
0: completely yes. secular right
1: and uh though he grew up in a more jewish family like he he did parts yeah. of his life were spent in jersey city and he was bar right. mitzvahed and things like
0: that was ira bar mitzvahed
1: my brother was not bar mitzvahed yeah
0: you know i wasn't either Mm-hmm. Just mentioning, until I was forty. But go ahead, continue. Oh, you should be proud. <laughs> um,
1: and I was not bought mitzvahed. Uh but um, so yeah. So we had a pretty. Uh, in, I mean, I didn't. It wasn't exclusively or sort of segregated Jewish community, but we, there was a. Fair yeah, yeah, yeah. I just,
0: not. just, I get a handle on on how you grew up. Now your dad and your mom in that time, when you were growing up, sixteen seventy, what was, what was your dad's, uh, was he already, uh, he, he was an unusual guy, right? He was, uh, didn't really live within the lines. Let's put no, that yeah. in. The, 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 he, in
1: the... um, my parents got divorced in the early seventies, but okay. I'm, I'm surprised they lasted that sure. long. And, uh, but my dad was very involved in political activities mm-hmm. and very, I even wrote a poem about it, like very, um, uh keen on the impeachment of Richard Nixon and and um, involved with the ACLU and just like mm-hmm. uh, normal, you know, uh, um, sort of the legalization of marijuana, which he smoked a lot of. And um, he even ran for office. Um, Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a super big part of his life mm-hmm. and everything, but he, he ran under Vote the Rascals Out. Um, but... Uh, was this definitely um, he did not win. <laughs> and he ran he was kind of like a hippie businessman. And once he decided to run for office in Memphis, then people would take pictures of him smoking pot or whatever, and that yeah. was not gonna happen. So he's so, in the
0: like an assemblyman, that kind
1: of thing? or Something he, like that. Okay. City council. City council. Yeah, council. but he Councilman, my dad yeah. did in, and he he um he for when we were kids he he decorated a big yellow school bus into sort of a a floating hippie um, um, house. And he, um, he he ended up living downtown when nobody else did and renovated a house that had basically was derelict when had been abandoned. And it was this old Victorian house, and it's just, it just was incredible. But it was definitely not in the suburbs, and it was a kind of rough neighborhood. Um, mm. So it was sort of like yeah, Memphis sc- is, uh, scary edgy. to walk around on the street yeah. um, at that time. In fact, I was flashed once (laughs) with my sister. We were walking to the grocery store down the street, but it was it was fun. It was kind of, you know, it was kind of just trendy.
0: Then I'm sure it scarred you both, but it it was just a trendy guy who was trying to flashing people. Yeah, he
1: was a trendy guy flashing (laughs) people. That's the way to put it. Um, But in a way, um, I think that I very much see that who I am is you know you you try to. Divvy up, how am I very much like my mother and how am I like my father? And my dad was comfortable in any situation and was not someone who well, he's still alive, but you know, who sort of said, Well, I only spend time in, you know, with professionals. And he he he's one of the least class conscious people I have ever met.
0: Or judgmental. Or judgmental at all. Right.
1: So there's a real openness to him that way. And I think that was kind of fantastic and definitely left an imprint with me. Sure. And also the notion of if you um, wanted, like in documentary film, we sort of say, well, you, the first thing is that you have to be willing to knock on the door and, and ask somebody questions, even if you don't know those people. And he was that kind of person, like mm-hmm. you know, impetuous and open to adventure and whatever might be going on on the other side of the door.
0: Right. Should we say, though, when, even within there, people can be cautious
1: mm-hmm. or
0: thoughtful, and that sometimes they would not, like, in other words, one could say, "Where, where is he perilous? Like, is he to the point That's of being a perilous? Really good because, point. because some people who <clears throat> are adventurous also don't drag their kids into a neighborhood that might be dangerous
1: for yeah. them. Yeah. Um, or they smoke were a lot pot of points and drive in or whatever. My childhood, where I felt where I felt vulnerable, and I know my sister and brother did, too. Um, it was
0: a different time, but It was also... a different
1: time, but we were not... And, and I think that's really insightful on your part, um, that the film makes me feel vulnerable, but I also felt vulnerable in a lot of different contexts with my dad. And um, I, as a child... I felt like I wanted to assimilate. I wanted a dad who didn't drive a a of convertible course. that right. sort of reeked of pot. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, I talk about that in the film that he had these two Cadillac convertibles and kind of run down, but they looked, they were basically twins so that <laughs> he could sort of, if one broke down, the other um, could be used. And it was kind of, both extravagant and strategic. And he was like that. Yeah. Um, So sometimes you would feel... Well, I'll say another thing. Um, Another reason I felt vulnerable in his universe was that he never locked his door. So he lived in a neighborhood that was not very particularly residential, was... downtown before people mm-hmm. were moving downtown in memphis right.
0: you were in gentrifiers <laughs>
1: yeah not yet it was no, not gentrified. i understand and um and then to not lock the door meant right. you were there and you didn't know who was going to walk in at any time of day or not
0: or who would be there if you walked in
1: how <laughs> did you that figure day? that out that's exactly true because he, it was a big old victorian house and he had multiple people living all over the house
0: he did yeah so like um People that he he knew friends,
1: or just like people who didn't have anywhere to stay. So right. we had a room, and we thought it was our room, and I then didn't we know would this. go I and we'd figured... open a drawer, and there'd be somebody else's clothes. So that happened all the time. So it's, there it's, was a sense of you know, and children want um, children want a sense of confidence and, confidence and 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 like that security security. And, 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 and predictability. Predict, yeah. So mm. predictability was never out the gone. door. And I think there's some. There's actually a line in the film where um, uh, my sister and I talk about getting in the car, or I'm talking about getting in the car with her in Bali. And as it was often the case, we didn't know where we were going. We were with my dad on a trip, and I was actually making my first documentary film. And then we end up at the airport, and he picks up somebody, and we didn't even know who she was. And, and she ended up becoming my dad's girlfriend then wife and we'd never even heard of her and she just popped in the car so there was always there was often that where strangers would arrive and we didn't know
0: right uh, yeah who they were and they're working at it as a disadvantage i mean too i, I what i mean i you know i know you and your sister are children so you come first in this <laughs> uh priority wise but uh, also the other person is thrown into this uh, chaos.
1: Well, I tried. Chaos is something a something I word. tried to do in the film.
0: Your dad's making, creating chaos all the time.
1: That's very perceptive he's of the, you. I, don't, um, I
0: mean, it seems kind of not, it seems very obvious. Yeah. So I don't oh, know how okay. perceptive. But, but,
1: but to use that word. Yeah. It was an emotional chaos. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, all the time.
0: And a practical one, too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's living in this, creating this house. Um, What a world.
1: um, Yeah. And that's why there were the, one of the, let's say threads or themes that I was trying to find out is how you can, uh, how you can find like compassion for someone when you also maybe resent them. Like they're coming into your life, but you want to be a nice girl right and you don't know how long this new person is going to be part of your life and so right. you, you're always try- I was always trying to um assess is this person going to stay is this person um in the long term like in here for the long term no. um and so that confusion confusion which is very different from the model of what a nuclear family is when you don't even have to think who's so-and-so and and how do I love them and how was, was really unsettling. Yeah.
0: I don't know you turned out as well as you did, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because like we said a minute ago, uh, kids need, well, we say they need, but they certainly yearn for convention and predictability and these things, uh, you know, that, But none of those things existed for you. So where is, in culpability, is your mom, who didn't create, who, you know, there's this chaos. We know your dad's guilty of creating, (laughs) right, for better or for worse. But where is your mom in all this? Uh, Is she in this house, the Victorian house in downtown Memphis, or... Is she living somewhere else? Somewhere? Oh
1: no, no, no! My parents were very divor- were right. very di- so, were divorced by then. Right. So, so, and so
0: she, she, you, you were with him part of the time at that. Right.
1: We were just we would or we didn't floated. live with him. Okay. We, I mean, we would spend the night there. So right. that was a difference. Um, my mom, I had to say, she was just she's very, very, very grounded. Gave us a total sense of security, but she always felt it was important that we. Had a deep relationship with our dad, and that we we could we could um, manage it,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and that she wasn't going to micromanage it. And I respect that because I I, you know I think that um, that 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 you have to develop specific relationships with each parent, and not go. through one to the other right so um, we just had to learn to, to make that work and um, she gave us so much anchoring that I think that was key to Stability. like our, so, our, mm-hmm. our our core <laughs> okay.
0: I'm just kind of curious because the film isn't really letting you know exactly where. That part of it. So I'm yeah, just, I was just kind of curious because um, this could explain your, your being a stable person, for instance. <laughs> and you have your own children and you've raised them quite stably, uh, as far as I can tell. Do, so you uh, your mom lived uh, not in downtown. Your mom lived more in... More in, in, in...
1: So there's... She there's lived different in neighborhoods more, on, like, on the outskirts.
0: He, yeah, I think
1: She lived right in Memphis, but not right. in the downtown. She had a no, right. like, house with a yard and yeah. it was... Yeah. These are the of
0: typical s- of most cities. You yeah have, new york isn't typical <laughs>
1: <laughs> um yeah so um and i i really i have to say i i deeply respect and i'm grat i have great gratitude to my mom for agreeing to be in this film um because it also is vulnerable for her and it was a hard time for her and mm-hmm. she she's very open that what she was looking in the film that what my mother was looking for in and marriage was not what she got, but she also appreciated the kind of wild side that my father offered Absolutely. to her right. for a certain time, and then it was enough.
0: Your dad was kind of all id, right? I mean, Although I it never seems understood
1: like that. the words super. I mean, I I would say I learned the word superego, mm-hmm. ego, and id very early when I understood that my dad didn't really have a superego. Right. Um, you know, he, um, he he wasn't um, following anybody else's rules but his own. And if he was aware of those rules, it was how to strategically move around them. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: your mom was attracted to that. I mean, was he, uh, and then so was he having these uh, alliances or affairs with, because uh, I don't know that he thought of them as affairs, but was he sneaking and trying to be, you know, like, do duplicitous or is it again that is an example of what you just described maybe of learning how to get around he had to learn how to get around those conventions or those so he that's, that's when something... he applied it. or it, it wasn't part of his nature to hurt, hurt i or... think
1: one of the things that um i was trying to explore in the film is um the difference between secrets mm-hmm. and living right. an alternative life right yeah and if you call it secrets then you live a very conventional life and then but you you lit in in you the, you present to live a very conventional life but you don't if you call it alternative then you are very open and transparent in your willingness to live like a bohemian the thing was he was neither of those because he was trying to... Cerc- he is, or he's an older man now, so it's very different. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's almost like a sociological study. What what group do you... Where where do you identify? You know, are you part of the American middle class? Are you part of, like, the... Hip- you know, we knew lots of hippies when other people who were in our, like elementary school didn't know, you know what mm-hmm, I'm saying? And mm-hmm. they weren't just young people. They were people who were in their 40s and 50s, you know, but they were like, bohemian. So that was kind of cool. And it, my dad knew all the arty people in right. Memphis, yeah. but he wasn't even arty. <laughs> right.
0: And, and the families, the other children that mm-hmm. he sired such a weird word to use but the other children he had with in other relationships did that start while well, he was he was still married to your mom right no 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 didn't. so they all they were all subsequent okay yeah that's, that's...
1: that didn't start till tw- till the 80s
0: oh okay and this is a big part of the film i mean uh, uh his you know some of whom you knew about some of whom you didn't right there's eight yeah siblings mm-hmm. from relationships he had three six six relationships
1: Six. well he had many more than that right like six it's amazing that he was just of, so um... many
0: people were attracted to him uh <laughs> no i mean i don't i mean he's an attractive guy he's, obviously <laughs> he's very on some level very charismatic and and you know this the same chaos that we've been talking about it must just also carry with it a certain amount of appeal to to women yeah.
1: it's uh yeah it's um an interesting <laughs> um you know
0: what else i think it?
1: it's a I think I was trying to understand like the nature of, of, of um how do you say, like of um being a man in the world mm-hmm. and being a father and being a partner and all and all of those things we have expectations and and so my father has given parts of all of those in his role in my life and my sibling's life and in his various partner's lives. But then he also has limited, like he draws lines and then he moves and he also has a tendency to move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. so it's not, it, it doesn't always come the, uh, like actually one of the things that I played with in terms of creating credits for the film, cause I wanted it to work in a, like a conceit with the, with the, some of the things I was exploring. Um, I didn't go too far with it because it seemed like a model that maybe was too obvious, but since my dad had um, nine children, I started to think about the nine planets, um, in the world and like, I mean, in the solar system, not the world, in the solar system. Um, and then that you would have this sun. And so the sun, both the draws in and nourishes but also kind of like can burn so that needs to
0: be distance right yeah
1: so and different plant the planets move in in different orbits I don't know if I'm using the right words Mm -hmm. but have you know have different connections or um, uh, um, needs or um, like something so I didn't really go any further with that but it was something in my mind um, and some of the planets, you know, we have these secret planets. Like, Oh, there's another planet. I didn't even know there was and a... And then
0: all of a sudden, it turns out one of the planets may not even be considered a planet anymore. Yeah, after all of that... hundreds of years. Actually,
1: as a conceit works with Is my Jupiter? movie. Uh, I think Which... so, yeah. Um, and so it, that was kind of fun to... We, we thought about it. I, I was editing the film with Rebecca Shappas, who was a now become a dear friend and she's was a former student of mine and Mm -hmm. and this is definitely the biggest editing project she'd ever um tackled but we had so many materials from original material shot on vhs videotape to super 8 to regular 8
0: to 16. 16
1: millimeter to high 8 to mini dv um to digital all of it, yeah. Um, wow. Even wow. cell phone yeah. material. So it's like really covers the technology for from the last thirty five years, media technology. And so she helped me to organize that and to edit the film. and And it was actually really helpful to to have these other eyes involved because she, I was um, trying to navigate the relate the notion of context and not like how much context do I want? And she'd always, she would often say, you don't need to explain every, and you can't, and we don't have time. And, and, or, and so I wanted to keep it kind of spare. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was super helpful. And, and we would talk about these, this idea of like the sun and the planets.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, the film culminates in a family meeting a family gathering i assume were these in was this in your living room in it's Parkland? in my
1: brother's living room okay. it was the first time that we were all together one were, of my siblings was there on the phone okay but essentially we were all that was the first time that all nine of us were in the same room and yeah. i had to work really hard to make it happen
0: i can't imagine
1: i had to you know buy plane tickets oh and, sure yeah 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 and then that yeah. was the most expensive part of the up. film you getting all the people together. biggest what?
0: line item yeah was was right but
1: yeah i mean this film has basically uh it, there's no crew <laughs> there is a an editor and a composer um and stephen vitiello was the composer for the music um but it, it has a lot of um characters <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and you're meeting them right through, to the end i mean uh, um so you had everybody one by phone in that in that room. Yep. It's a lot of pressure to have a moment, <laughs> you know, to like to because mm-hmm. it's you know you mm-hmm. want to have a moment with a kind of like therapy or breakthrough or something, right? You at a at a moment like that, you don't want to just sit around and like uh, just, I guess, share just share memories, right? So, so yeah, um, um,
1: I actually think that bringing a group of people together who have never who have this. Very, very strong um, notion of who they are in relationship to each other mm-hmm. and each the thing is with if if you're a child, you have a perception of who your parent is and 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 how you define yourself by that parent you are either similar to them or very different mm. they either you either believe they love you or you doubt they love you and but it's intense if it, i mean that's a word that's kind of overused these days but it is so you're always trying to parse that out like how how who am i in relationship to these two people um your parents so to have a room with nine people who ha- have been trying to figure that out their whole lives is the name that's going to be uh revealing in some ways and uh i i think that they were all quite open with me and and some of the conversations had never been um expressed um but i also had one-on-one conversations with everybody okay. in the film. Prior to. Yeah, and one of the things that I, there's two things that I learned about, um, about, let's call it um, monologue or voiceover or narration or just um, kind of, you could even say like, a, like a, an open state, like uh, disc- self-discovery or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I learned was that I love doing interviews uh, in absolute darkness Um, because, at least with this film, I did most of them in closets and darkness because otherwise I've found that my siblings were always looking at me for validation or like whether I was surprised by what they said or whether I agreed with them Mm -hmm. or that kind of like the way you nod cues. They were always looking for cues. And I wanted them <clears throat> to, uh, yeah, let me have some water. So, and I'd never done that before. <clears throat> Sorry, I had a cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, but when we went into a dark space, mm-hmm. they entered their own mm. minds in a much, much, much deeper way. Sure. So that was a breakthrough. The other thing was that when I did the voiceover for the film, Um, I tried to write it out so it wasn't just voiceover, but it's like an essay film. So how did I feel about things? And, uh, you know, I was trying to put pen to paper and I did that a little bit. And then I found that I was kind of filtering too much and censoring. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I actually also went into darkness with headphones and a microphone and I would just speak. And then um, I would transcribe that and then I would work on the narration from that and that wow. worked out it was much freer and much Cause then more, you
0: have a script and you have sworn you're going to stick to it yeah you know like it's like somebody else handed it to you and, you're and gonna when it I out hand wrote it to... it was too
1: literary right and when I hand wrote it I thought about the word choices yeah but when I just spoke it um then I had the chance to change that and then I went into a recording studio and recorded it and mm-hmm. Properly, let's right. say, but to do it the first time as kind of a let's call it a rant, and or like a mm-hmm. just exploration, and I didn't know where it was going, worked so much better. Yeah, I actually did something else that was like such a treat, kind of an extravagance. So I would just talk and talk and talk. It might be for two hours, mm-hmm. and then um, and I did that at Yaddo, at a mm-hmm. artist residency. County. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then from Yato, I sent it to a transcription service. Mm-hmm. They transcribed it in a, maybe two days and sent it right back to me. And then I worked on it. Yeah. And it was so, it was such a great process. Everybody
0: who's ever done any transcribing, if you've done it a handful of times, you've had it. <laughs> it's yeah, the wor- and it's not it's that so expensive right. to pay no. for someone else to do no, it. No, it's worth it if you... God, just, just, just have somebody else transcribe, or yeah. use some sort of service. And then it's, all of a it's... sudden,
1: I got, I got a word document yeah. that had a, it was like a treat—that had a, a narrow, like it had my, basically the skeleton for my voiceover mm-hmm. for this movie. Mm-hmm. And so that was a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed working that way.
0: So, I mean, uh, I over, often ask this question. And uh, it, ha- it applies here maybe more than ever. It's like, what did you, I'm sure, all your siblings have now seen, I'm sure. Not all of them have seen it. Okay. Because
1: I have eight, and I would say.
0: A couple of them are. A
1: couple of them have not, not seen a, it yet, but they okay. will see it soon.
0: <laughs> Has Are you inviting everybody to the premieres? Some or? of
1: them are coming to slam dance. Right. Some of them are coming in New York. Um, and then I haven't decided whether I'm going to. Try to show it in. Mem- I don't know if I'm showing it in Memphis. It's kind of up to my mother. Oh yeah, um, of course. And um, so I, sure. yeah, I will figure out a p- place, or I'll send it to them. But I, makes sense. it's it's sure. kind of challenging to figure that out.
0: <laughs> I bet. Yeah, as that as that family gathering shows, it's it is complicated. Um, this isn't in no way like a completely cathartic. Situation. This is opening something up, and uh, what's good is everybody is at least signing off on that, opening this conversation up, and it brings with it a lot of complicated feelings and pain and anger. As you started, as we started the conversation with, of your your own, and uh, and your father in the center of it in a way. He was. I'm just thinking he wasn't in he was sitting there in that meeting that's right he was there
1: he was not there in the he came later okay, but he was okay. definitely not there while we were having the conversation okay
0: so he because i, I remember him sitting with you guys but maybe i'm yeah, just no, yeah uh, he was not there okay
1: um and yeah and it, he's also
0: not willing to at this stage anyway he's not willing to explore these things anymore is that I think that ha- not in a group anyway. Maybe he yeah, would be one on one off camera or something. But is he able I'm, to? Where's he at? Is uh, he, mm, where's your dad at? Uh, the, he's
1: very emotional about this movie. He, is. he actually, I, I will say that he cried when okay. that, when he saw it. That's, but he um, he also, it's the life that we led, you know. And so I didn't I didn't hold back. Yeah. Um, I think he respects like i asked him if he wanted to come to the premiere in new york and i said you don't have to and he really wants to come so
0: well the audiences i'm sure are gonna requ- demand that he participate is he, he won't is be he... able to speak no
1: after the film okay but he will be there
0: okay and are For you talking reasons. about yeah mental health mm-hmm. or vocal he, vocal? he oh, has a, he, sh- he, sh- he has
1: a can't disconnect. About... Okay, I'm... a little with speaking, with speaking a little bit.
0: Okay, did that sneak up on? Was that recent, or <clears throat> was it just kind of developed over the last bunch of years?
1: About the last three years. Three? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay, because that's what my all of a sudden my dad uh, I'm, is just not. I'm just dad warrior. He'll say a few words. He'll say uh, completely cogent and a and and a and rather um, appropriate appropriate. Thanks for the yeah. question. It's not okay. like he's just. Rambling. And anyway, he and I say, are you understanding? Are you following what similar, we're talking about?" Similar, similar situation. And I just it's okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um well again it's the film what we've been talking about with my friend Lynn Sachs is it's called Film About a Father Who and um it's gonna have its world premiere in January at Slam Dance, which is a great festival. Whilst across the town, or some blocks away, there's another festival going on. I understand, and then you have uh, your big-time New York premiere at Doc Fortnite, which is extremely appropriate. I might add, a oh, great—it's a great showcase for your films. It totally makes sense that you should have every New York premiere. <laughs> Well, it would be nice if you had occasionally one, let's say, at New York Film Festival or something like that. But but
1: it, I think Doc Fortnite. I have once at New York Film Festival uh, once. Uh-huh. Uh, the last Happy Day showed there, and I showed a film called The Washing Society at BAM Cinef- Cinema, Cinema
0: Fest. Cinema which is Fest, which is a, a wonderful cool festival. festival. It is yeah. a totally cool festival.
1: But I but I appreciate Doc Fortnite because um, I love the idea that the exploration of reality mm-hmm. can be. Um, <clears throat> As Grierson said, a creative process and, yeah. and can be um, shaped and sculpted and and refracted and, and I think the right. Museum of Modern Art kind of gets that. So and, Yeah.
0: And and nonfiction filmmaking is a broader subject than just documentary.
1: Yeah. And actually, my films don't show very much in straight. I mean, they never show in straight yeah. documentary festivals. Right. They never do. Yeah. So you really uh, put
0: yourself in a situation. And
1: <laughs> I'm like in a little teeny category. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, there's a... a Not great,
1: ta- it's gotten bigger. Yes. You know, and there's go, a great just, history
0: there, too. I mean, it's an important history in film. And, it, it, and it's a veritable... Strain well, of film for the
1: longest time, I've said I make experimental documentaries, mm-hmm. and there weren't very many people who connected with that. And now there's so many, so I I'm like grateful to have a
0: yeah and m- they, compatriots and and the word experimental is kind of a hot button for so many people. So it, I I more people come on and they say uh, it's a work of nonfiction, and leave out the word experimental because in a way. And in a way, it's understandable because is it really experimental if so many people are making these types of films anymore? What does the word experimental mean? But like trying something that nobody's doing and seeing how it goes and, you know, it's an experiment.
1: (laughs) Well, when I say experimental, yeah, it it also is that I... Don't have any template whatsoever, yeah. with it, and that the the material speaks back to me, and it is kind of like a site like a, right. a, a, a research scientist, and you try this, and you're trying to find this right. answer, and then this fails, and there's so much failure. If thirty six
0: is that what you said? Yeah, failures I, here, and yeah. thirty five maybe.
1: Um, yeah, and you're constantly coming up to. To situations where people watch it and they say that doesn't work, and and not just from other people, but yourself, and um, and I guess one of the hardest parts about this film was to find my place and how 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 vulnerable I was willing to be, and how yes, and and um, that was one of the things Rebecca would really encourage me to do was to um, try to write openly and and not to be too self-protective and protective of my family or even my dad but in the honesty of it I think yeah. that that I could hopefully find an integrity mm-hmm. but it was really hard
0: so wow here you are this is your 15th or I don't know how many films you made you made quite a few well a lot of them are and this very is the short the hardest one right no but regardless you a lot of thought, thought and planning go into them and you know Regardless of TRT, <laughs> but I'm a, and I'm just though. But you know, this is the hardest, maybe, the film you've ever made.
1: Yeah, it's definitely the hardest because you know um, you have to n- navigate around the intellectual and mm-hmm. artistic journey, and then the personal journey. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's an intensely personal. So people should go see it and support this uh, film. I don't know what else to say about it, but again, it will be at Slamdance and then Doc Fortnite. So we know already it's going to have these two great, two great uh, festival screenings. We'll keep track of it as it, as the film thank you,
1: Adam and to Film Wax,
0: <laughs> you're welcome.
1: I like the t- name of your program.
0: Oh, thank you. And I like, really love staying in touch and having you back on over and over and keep exploring continuing the conversation with you and with your brother it so happens in very different ways but you know it's it's really uh interesting experiment in of itself in a way you know to to, to have that kind of relationship through these conversations so we'll do it again i guess
1: i hope so <laughs> thank you adam thank you.
0: with another episode with Hal Harley. Speaking of multiple visits, this is Hal's sixth visit. Can you imagine such a thing? This is his sixth visit. Right now, Hal is uh, the subject of a retrospective. All of his features, many of them in 35 millimeter at the Metrograph, which is at 7 Ludlow Street, uh, just north of Canal Street in New York City. If you have the opportunity to do so, go to the Metrograph's website and get some tickets. Hal will be there tomorrow, Friday the 24th in the evening. He is going to be doing a Q&A for the 6.30 screening of The Unbelievable Truth. So I assume he'll be there around uh, 8 o'clock or so to uh, do the Q&A. And then he'll stick around and introduce Simple Men, which is at 9 o'clock that's tomorrow night, Friday, January 24th. The retrospective continues right through this weekend and then picks up again next Saturday, February 1st. we will be back on February 1st to do the Q&A after a 7.30 screening of Faye Grimm. Check the website for details. And the next episode uh, coming up next week will be with Hal. If you want a preview of that conversation, meaning you want to listen to it now, you can, I stuck it up on our YouTube channel in order to uh, you know optimize the time and to get it up there uh, so people can listen to that and we can promote the retrospective that's coming up. Also coming up on the show, we have Filmmaker Brothers. We have the brothers behind a new film called Lost Holiday, which is currently available on streaming platforms. Cody Stokes will also be joining the show. Uh, he has a new film called The Ghost Who Walks with my friend Frank Mosley. And that film is also available on streaming platforms. And we also have an episode coming up with the author of a brand new book called The Big Goodbye about the making of Chinatown. Sam Wasson will be coming up on the show. And then actor, Lewis Conchelme, who was showcased, I could say that, in The Irishman. He plays Sally Bugs. And if you haven't seen The Irishman, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have seen it, you do know what I'm talking about. It involves a car with uh, the smell of fish in it. So we have Lewis Conchelme coming up also in a couple of weeks. So continue, please, to uh, listen to the show and write us a review on, on Apple Podcasts as well as on uh, Stitcher. Uh, We're on Spotify, of course, and YouTube, Google Play. It's very easy to find the show. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Adam Shartoff, signing off for yet another week. Please take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Until next time.